Go on then. What are we watching? Oh, what about... Uh... In the... Uh, with Sky Stream. The new way to get Sky without a dish. Stream unmissable Sky exclusives like True Detective and Netflix shows like The Gentleman all in one place. For just €25 a month for 12 months. Search Sky Stream today. New customers only. 12-month minimum term requires broadband. Further terms apply. Here's what you just missed on the Indo Daily. Speaking to the Taoiseach's team, the strategy is to lay the groundwork so it's not Joe Biden standing on stage and suddenly oh, he starts talking about Gaza. Four agencies pulled the photo and that was unprecedented. This was probably not the picture she should have practiced her editing skills on. Daniela Flatter had been living in West Berlin. Her location was found by a local podcast. There were hundreds of police deployed to arrest this old woman who, by all accounts, was quite neighbourly, quite friendly. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. Board Gosh Energy. Putting customers at the core of under 20 and senior hurling championship action. Hashtag hurling to the core. Hello and welcome to the Throwin Independent.ie's GA podcast in association with Board Gosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined in the studio, as always, by Michael Verney. Michael, Will, hello. How are you? Good, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so, another weekend of football action. Uh, Dublin, what a performance. Stopped 10 minutes of, you know, absolutely outrageous dominance over Mayo. Probably the best 10 minutes I've seen Gaelic football played. It was unbelievable. And But the comparison between Crow Park Saturday and Sunday was also unbelievable. I was there yesterday and it was just, it was eerie. I was, what, I was actually, this, yeah. there was, for some reason, there was an expectation to be 60,000 there. That was sort of being floated around. And then we got there, it was half, half full. Yeah, I don't say know. half of that. I don't know where that expectation came from because Crow Park obviously knew well, well in advance of the fixture because the whole top tiers were closed the whole way around the whole stadium. That, and that's for mad. a semi final. Yeah. That's crazy. I was like, I was like blogging it for independent.ie yesterday. And after about a minute, I just kind of brought in like this is. There's an eerie silence going around here. There was basically no noise. If Tyrone had stayed dominating as they had in the first half, it would have stayed that way the whole way to the finish. It was only whatever few Kerry people were there started to milk up a bit of noise in the second half. It was just really, really weird. Very strange. Well, yeah. It's always a bad sign when you can hear the shouting on the pitch. Yeah. You know, in, the, in the opening few minutes, you could just hear the Tyrone guys pointing and shouting and you know getting people organised. And you could, like, you could, like, I was just watching it on television, you could just hear that through the mics, which is always bad. Like, when full, Crow Park is unbelievable. And the, the atmosphere there Saturday, Saturday, night, Saturday night yeah. was savage. We'll, we'll when, when, like, less than half full, it's a, it's a kind of a strange kind of a vibe around. What there, was it yeah. like when you played in it? Uh, we had about 30,000 I'd say it's about um, the same as the match of the weekend my head was in a bit of a tailspin for the whole game anyway. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I didn't really notice what was going on but yeah I couldn't imagine uh, I couldn't imagine that, and we must we must chat on, on Saturday night for our live show to Brendan and, and Eddie and yeah. Joe even and John what's it like to play in a full stadium because uh, it's so easy if, if your concentration is off at all and you're like wondering what's going on or anything like that it must be so easy to get lost in the game with people, the noise, yeah. the atmosphere, everything. Well, that's the perfect segue. Like, we'll, we'll be talking football semi-finals with Donegal Boyle from the Indo, Conor McGill from the Herald, Tommaso Shea on the line in just a minute. But we want to tee up that uh, 
hurling final preview night in Croke Park on Saturday in association with Board Gosh Energy. If you want to register for tickets to that, you can go to www.independent.ie forward slash the throw-in. And we have three pairs of All-Ireland final tickets to give away on the night. Uh, we have a great guest list as well uh, for the weekend. Joe Canning, Galway, Star will be there, Brennan Cummins, John Milan and Eddie Brennan. So, Great mix of some of the top pundits. You have Eddie Brennan, who's had a great season with Leash, as well as being a Kilkenny man. So, a lot to look forward to, Michael, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm just interested to ask Brendan if he's interested in any of these vacant, vacant jobs that are going at the moment, whether he wants to cut his teeth to inter-county management as well. Obviously, Joe had a very interesting season as well, so it should be, it should be a great night. And the build-up to the Hurling final, and even on the eve of the final, it should be a great atmosphere around Crow Park. That's the closest we'll get to, to the to All-Ireland final day, is to be there the day before, nearly. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, it's set up to be a great uh, weekend. And we'll have a podcast later. Later in the week as well as our great preview night on Saturday we're going to have a podcast later in the week previewing that uh, hurling final between Kilkenny and Tipperary with John Milan as well so that to look forward to but now we will turn our attention to the football weekend that was Michael and it was I guess an interesting weekend we, we came in with the four best teams in the competition we're left with two albeit Dublin seemed to be so much further ahead than the chasing pack as I referred to earlier that 10 minutes of devastation right after the break 2-6 reply turning a 2 point deficit into a 10 point uh, lead there seems to be a bit of an inevitability about it is that too strong to say? Yeah no that just on that 10 minutes it was probably football in perfection like yeah it's just they got the sense that they were, could put the squeeze on Mayo and just totally choked every breath out of them like it was un- it was unbelievable I've never seen any team even even I don't know if Kilkenny Hurlers even did it to that that like devastating effect like when they got on top they just I'm sure John Milan would say they did <laughs> he, he, he might do yeah but it was just it was unbelievable and there is maybe a sense of inevitability about it as well I suppose from Kerry's point of view that's a great position for them to be for them to be going into the game uh, with very very little expectations but uh, yeah Dublin were just phenomenal the other night like just able to turn it on when they had to and just kept the foot in the throat then and they all for the rest of the second half but they had, the damage was done in that 10 minutes it was uh, yeah it was fun. It was phenomenal just to see it and you, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be on the field as an opposition player because they just they just had pushed up everywhere they just had Mayo spooked looking at Rob Henley the, the poor devil he didn't know where he didn't know where to put the ball because no matter where he was putting it he was putting it it was coming back with interest over his head or into the net yeah it was just it was, it was unbelievable and it does as you say does look like there's a sense of inevitability about it now yeah because kind of like you know we got the kind of the perfect you know opening to the game it was a full house the atmosphere was brilliant it was a very evenly matched first half you know just maybe like 2017 the Mayo defence really got to grips with the Dublin key men in attack even Brian Fenton was hassled and harried and you know turned over on a couple of occasions so you, maybe in retrospect, the Mayo attack didn't do enough in that period to give them a bit more of an advantage. But then it was all wiped out so very quickly. Um, was there anything Mayo could have done in hindsight or was that inevitable blue wave just going to crush them? Yeah, well, the, I think they were set up to, to, to kind of manage the game toward... Like if you look at the Mayo bench, they had Keith Higgins and Andy Moran and Kevin McLaughlin on the bench. So I think that they were trying to manage the game to the point where they could bring those guys in. Um, so... I mean, what they like, they did that till halftime. Like, if you look at a lot of the Mayo tackling, it was really good. They, they kind of shepherded the Dublin ball carrier into the traffic. Like they did it to Jack McCaffrey at one stage, and like a lot of players panic when Jack McCaffrey gets on the ball. But like, from to hurt you, he has to pass or kick the ball. And like every single time, Paddy Dorkin just stayed with him, stayed with him, and just waited. And same with Fenton. Uh, I think there was about five or six clean dispossessions from Mayo players to Dublin players. But if they're guilty of anything, Mayo, it's not being more taking more risks when they had the ball, and they didn't. Um, and that was always going to bring us towards this equilibrium at mm. half time uh, and by the time Andy Moran and um, 
well, I, I know by the time McLaughlin came on, like the game was it was over. They were absolutely wiped. And I want, like, I'd love to know. Like, we're all kind of scratching our heads. We all know what happened. We all saw it with our own eyes. But and obviously Jim Gavin wasn't prone to telling us. But like, I don't know what was the stat that they went after. What like what was the what was the play? Because like, yeah, they pushed up on the kickouts and they, I mean, they drove Robbie Henley absolutely nuts. But the precision of their football was was incredible during that period of time. Like Fenton came up and won a won a mark over three fellas. It was that the was one where he, then then he kicked the pass for Conor Collins' second goal. And I know there's been an awful lot of talk about how strong Con is. He's physically bigger, but he's always been a very strong young man but like his footwork and everything to, to like he made like you can see when he went past Keegan the second time Keegan he just completely wrong footed him Keegan was still standing there he nearly waved him as he went past and, I, I and people Keegan talk about kick, sorry the, the, the kicking as well people have been talking all year about Dublin taking their scoring chances from in front of the D like Paul Mannion's ball striking off his left foot was off the charts so in terms of just brilliant players doing brilliant things it, it was as good a patch of football as I can ever remember yeah, I, I just I think for the second one for a split second, I think Keegan resigns himself to the fact that he's given up the point, yeah. and I think O'Callaghan in that split second reads the body language and says, "Hang on, this fella's just exactly giving me the half yard I, I need," and then he takes the it takes another touch and sticks it in the net. Can't goes for goal every time though. Do you know what I mean? Like he always have a look. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, well, Keegan's probably like as brilliant as he is. He's probably not a natural inside back. Mm. Like he's a phenomenal man marker. Like he'll track fellas. He'll dog them all day long. But like you know, uh, I know Tomas has spoken about it before, but Aiden being dragged back into full back line and places like that because if you're if you're naturally uh, in the half back line, you get you want to go out the field. You want to get forward and bring your man with you and make him do the defend. And I think you know. I look, Dublin were absolutely phenomenal. Like I, uh, my initial reaction after at full time whistle was that's as good as they've been at any stage under Jim Gavin, and I don't nothing has really changed my mind. Possibly that second half against Kerry in the semi final in yeah, 16, when, they 16 in, yeah. when they reeled them back in, they were excellent that time. But there was just something so ruthless about that second half. Yeah, bringing Tomas O'Shea in the line now, and I guess Tomas, your reaction in the Sunday game studio after the match kind of said it all. Um, you seen a bit almost demoralised with Kerry semi-final seem still to come that you know that was such an impressive display that you know as I, as I mentioned at the start is there a sense of inevitability about it now I know Kerry players won't feel that way but, but what do you think? Uh, look I, I think there'll be look you know you have to there's Kerry are in an Ireland final uh, there's there's one glaring issue jumping out and I think that's what will cast them in the end but you're going to have to give them a chance. I think of any forward unit in the country, this is a forward unit that cannot possibly hurt the dubs. Everything would have to go right um, for Kerry to win it. But looking at that, at half-time, you were saying, you know, the one thing we did say at half-time was, you know, Mayo have done everything they have after a long, long few weeks and they're after going through the back door and they're, they're tired or whatever, but they're after putting 35 minutes of graft in there and they're only two points ahead. And you're saying... Can they actually come out? And nobody was actually saying, oh, the dubs are wiping here. The dubs are... They're saying, Jesus, is this actually going to happen? Is this the day that dubs actually hit a wall and things don't go right for them? And I think the ability, and we said it at halftime, was the key guys weren't actually performing. You know, the Cons, the, the Kilkenny's, the Fenton's, they weren't actually in the game as they normally are. And I said it, I thought it that the mark of, of great, truly great players is mid in the middle of a middle of a match, afterwards or after training or whatever, you can talk to yourself. But to turn around, to turn things your way in the middle of a match is a sign of a, of a great player. And something turned into, or 
thundered into the game. Uh, that the way they pressed the kickouts and the efficiency, like there's this thing in the Sunday game where we'd be getting regular WhatsApp updates about. Uh, everything that's happening during the half, like so, it'll give you a good steer on what's actually happening in terms of, of shooting, in terms of uh, turnovers, in terms of everything. And the difference in the second half, it jumped from 36% in terms of scoring efficiency up to the 90s again. And it's, that's the ability. I thought, to be quite honest, well, my man of the match would have been Mannion. I thought even in the first half, you know, he was just sharp, he was alert. Whereas the other lads struggled to get into the game. And, you know, in the second half, they had 15 minutes. I thought, you know, Mayo will stick with them. They won't. Dublin will eventually pull off, but Mayo will stick with them. And they just absolutely, for a team with Mayo's heart, they just ripped it over their chest, threw it on the ground, and then just said, that was it, gone, finished, over after. I actually tuned out for the last 15 minutes. Game was over. And that's the, you know, it was just Dublin flexing their muscles for basically the first time this year when it was put up to them. Wasn't there a strange? Wasn't there a strange echo in in the Dorkin point attempt that ended up in the back of the net and it's just dropped right yeah, underneath? The one clucks and batted down. Uh, was it? Yeah. And batted down. That was before the first goal. Mm. Yeah, right before the mm. first goal. And if you remember a few years ago, I forget which game it was. Lee the Keegan, Lee Keegan the replay, in effort, yeah, in twenty fifteen. And you know, it felt like a chance. Yeah. Now it it wasn't quite that sliding doors moment, but it was just the uh, Mayo should have got a score and they ended up conceding a goal. And it was a four-point swing, and the whole game just turned from, from yeah, there on. I, I, I know Dublin are getting all the all the garlands this morning, and rightfully so, it was impressive. But I don't think we can sort of, uh, you know, I don't think you can kind of diminish Mayo's role in all of this. Like they, when Dublin got on top of them, they completely wilted then. Like that, that was their was it their seventh game in eight weeks. Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, and even if you look at the team that they picked, like Dermot O'Connor wasn't fit for the bench in, in Castle Bar the previous week. Matthew Rowan only got on for the last five minutes of the game. Donny Vaughan, I, I don't think it was a great selection. So, like Tom Barsons came off the yeah, bench. Yeah, like it was a bit of a patch. I'm not saying it was a patchwork team, but like there's no, they weren't in their hole of their health the way Dublin were. Mm. And I think Mayo are like if I know again, there's an awful lot of sort of end of era stuff in, in the media today about Mayo and all the rest of it and the players going, but like they're their own worst enemies the last three. years not winning Connacht and I know that's easier said than done but this was their ninth game of the year I think well, the 10 th- last they year, lost by a point to Common and kicked 15 wide still would have been going yeah. into it on the back of a of a major championship match you yeah, know, but, the but way, they, they would have given a be- better account of themselves in Killarney that oh, day like, so, yeah. like they've, they've, they've lost three championship matches here like you know you can have sympathy for the players who put in a huge amount of effort for this decade and came so close to winning in All-Ireland but I think they are the makers of their own downfall in the last few years because there, there's no doubt that they're uh, that the punishing schedule and everything else took its hold because when Dublin got that run on them and Mayo, everything went right for them in the first half and they scored eight points and then all of a sudden they looked at the scoreboard and Dublin were eight ahead. So well, it was the same in 2017. They had nine at half time. It was like nine to one four at half time and similarly, they had been all over them and they had very little to show mm. for it in terms of a scoreboard disparity. The authors did their own downfall again though. I remember after the Dublin Blitz, still looking at it and Tomás has said it regularly, they create more than everybody else but it was still... They still had nine scores from 22 chances and Dublin had whatever they had from 22 after the blitz. You know, they still had the chances and even Paddy Durkin's point and a couple more and Keegan had a point that he skewed wide as well before that. They still had a couple of chances to keep themselves in the game, you know, or be thereabouts, but they just they just don't seem to have that clinical nature to take. They create loads of them, but they just don't take enough of them. Tomás? I think one, one area, like we were watching it we were down the end of where they were attacking and, you know, they kicked two long balls in the first half. Now, the dog was pushed up. It was between the 265s. There was a lot of bodies in there. But the amount of space, especially down the flanks, 
was and the last highlighted on the Sunday game last night where where even Horn, James Horn was actually rolling with the space from side. Now is it that they don't have enough pace? They struggle with pace sometimes inside that narrow foot forward line. But Killian O'Connor and, and James Carr were inside twice the ball went in. Once James Carr took on Mick Fitzsimons and actually took a handy score off him and the second time Tuxing came off the line and just booted it out. Now twice it went in and twice there was two bits of trouble. You know, I know Tuxing dealt with it fairly handy. I could not understand why they wouldn't kick in more often. And it was I you know, going in at half time, two points up even though we were all and me included, I couldn't I didn't see what Dublin were going to throw in the first 50. I didn't see that actually happening. But I was saying to myself, geez, two points up after dominating the half, that's not that's not good. And I think it does like it does come down to the fact and you can always, always throw it at Mayo, fairly or unfairly. Yes, they create the chances. Just they don't they don't take them, right? They do not take the chances that are created. And it's every second match. They improve it some matches, but it comes back to it in the big games chances they got they don't take them like the opposition do and for a team that's been around the block so often in the middle of that storm no one lay down no one tried to kill the thing no one went you know yeah. put to go down holding your head like because referees are an obligation on them like to stop, kind of stop the game caught up in it but did, like, like, for the players that had in the pitch who'd be in the middle of that before surely someone goes down holding their head do you know what I mean mm. like cynical as you want but like you know, kill the clock. Don't give them momentum. You've been here before. You've seen what they can do if the ball is is coming at you. But like, if you make lines or Colin McHale or any of these guys heard about you, heard a mead man saying about going down. Well, but this is this is the way the thing has evolved. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, when when Dublin needed to kill the game, Kieran Kilkenny took a black card with a smile on his face in the final couple of years. I ago. didn't like, have a smile on his face. No, but it, it, like that, this this is the way they're this is the way teams are operating now. But you're in the middle of that spell. You know they've done it before. Do you know what? We're shipping water here. Let's do something to kill the clock. Yeah. Uh, that's true. But I think we're probably uh, like I mean I think we're probably. Uh, Going over semantics here, like the game was like the like Dublin were going to just beat them the other day. Once they found a rhythm, once Fenton got on top of his man and he started winning, like Fenton, yeah. ridiculous footballer. Like I don't, you know, I didn't see Michael. You wrote Michael off Jack O'Shea yesterday. Yeah, but like did, honestly, yeah, has there ever radio. been a midfielder? Radio. Well, he'll explain himself here. Yeah. Now. I I can't imagine that there's ever been a midfielder with the skill set of, of Brian Fenton. Like <gasps> like like, and it, it, like if you look at this decade, okay, Cluxon is definitely the most influential Dublin footballer. Connolly is definitely the most talented Dublin footballer. But if you want a player who straddles the two, having the sort of the, the talent and as well as the influence on the pitch Fenton like, like he's he, he's now the beating heart of the Dublin team like and that's the thing that that's really impressive about Dublin that on Saturday it was Fenton and Mannion and Khan who are you know 23 25, the class of 93 yeah. all born in 1993 yeah. they're all McCaffrey the, Fenton they're, Mannion they're now the players that are driving this completely and it's the older guys from 2011 except James McCarthy and and uh, uh, Stephen Cluxon aside are nearly being carried towards this five in a <laughs> row by the young fellas yeah, Tomas, maybe then yeah. to move on to the, the following day's game then, I know, you, I suppose you didn't sound like you had much hope of Dublin being beaten, but from what you saw from Kerry yesterday then, you know, that second half comeback, to hit one thirteen in the second half, they probably have to hit that in both halves, realistically, to, to have a good chance in that final. Yeah, I think, um, well, I said I said it on, on TV, if you, could, if you could show up like Mayo in the first half and Dublin like in the second half, you'd probably have a good chance. <laughs> but I think, um, in the first half, I was actually... I thought Kerry had lost it in the first half. I thought the the, the the way they played, there was a lack of intensity. I don't know it had something to do with the full house. The atmosphere in the Dublin game was brilliant. It was electric. You could feel tension in the air. And it was absolutely the opposite before the Kerry game. Now, 
I've played in that surroundings and it does make a difference when there's when there's a full house and when it's half empty and there is, it's kind of hard to get that bite in it whereas it's the crowds you hear the crowd when there's like kickouts or there's scores or whatever and it kind of lifts players in a certain way that wasn't there with the Kerry game but the, I, I just thought I thought it was two poor enough performances by Tyrone and Kerry overall I mean Tyrone will look back at this morning and say they had chances Kerry I thought in the first half especially uh, were in trouble and at half time I was very worried because I actually even though it didn't it turned out to be the opposite I looked at the Kerry bench and I was saying Geez, there's nothing there that's going to scare me there's nothing there that's going to actually jump out and, and change this game as it turned out it was the opposite Tommy Welch and Jack Sherwood Gavin White all made telling contributions but I think Murphy in that first half I could not understand and the same happened last week with the issues against Meath in the first half where they coughed up four or five more chances but the, the role, like, Tyrone ran through that middle. They had an overlap every single time because Murphy was allowing his man to go up the field. Now, they were coming down the middle, empty-handed, and Murphy played outside the 45. You know, Kavanagh and the other sweeper, Keno Sullivan, they'll be on the D inside, inside the D, actually. But he was outside the 45-yard line. And all they had to do was kick it in over the head, seeing that three from play in the first half, and Foley was in trouble. So it was actually, I felt sorry for Murphy because he's a very good footballer. But the ball was just flying in over his head. He was having no impact on the runners coming through. He was too far away from them as well. And it was basically taking a man out of the carry team and just putting him there as a spectator, basically. And I was saying, geez, this can't seem to the second half. He ran and he attacked. And it was a huge difference himself. So Gavin White, they attacked. Um, and in the second half, to be fair, the subs they introduced... The, the, they were way more clinical the goal was at, I think turning point but I think that's the elephant in the white room like, or in the big room is, is, is that defence there is still issues every single game you can pick them out and it's not trying to be clever but I would say there's possibly two or three weak links that you cannot have against Dublin because they have scored they have a way better forward unit than than, than um, you know than, than uh, Tyrone and they'll do their homework on that carry forward line. And I think I don't think it'll be a blitz, but I think it'll be hard to wear them down. Yeah, Michael, if you're operating on the premise that you know Kerry will struggle to contain Dublin in attack, do Kerry is their best chance a shootout? Like they just need to make like score as much as they possibly can and hope that that is enough. Yeah, Kerry are going, Kerry will, should put up a big score, but like you can just you could see Dublin hit three or four goals like re- realistically if the defending is as naive as it was yesterday and Paul Murphy is like an innocent kind of bystander to the game like Conor Callaghan and these boys will go for the throw and there'll be three or four goals scored and Kerry won't be winning a game that type of a game no matter, like if, if Dublin if Dublin score three or four goals they're going to put 15 or 16 points probably with it and Kerry mm. won't be winning that they're going to I'm not sure how you tighten up or how you change what they've defensively been doing nearly for the whole season now but uh, yeah if, if they're going to win a shootout they're going to have to gonna have to score some amount yeah was there anything you saw yesterday that says that they can beat Dublin in the final uh, well I mean it's like when you have Sean O'Shea and you have Paul Ginny and you have David Clifford in particular and then the, the runners as well I thought Gavin White brought a huge I wouldn't be surprised if Gavin White started the final maybe played in that wing forward spot to ghost Jack McCaffrey and, and maybe put him on the back foot as well I don't know what that means Bruno Bugluck loses out or, I'm just trying to kind of do the matchups in my head here but like whatever way Kerry played the final they're, they're going to have to give more protection I presume it be to tie, uh, uh, Jason Foley on Conor Callan um, and if it is or it might, might be Ty Morley either I don't know but they're still going to have to like there's two big matchups there who 
who stops Conor Callan and who stops Paul Mannion. And like the use of one sweeper, particularly one who plays 45 yards from the two inside men, that's not going to do it. Like I was just wondering, I was trying to figure out whether maybe that Paul Murphy's job was the sweeper, but if Tyrone created an overlap, was it to kind of track the runner through the middle? Right? Because there was no way he was going to actually be able to protect the inside backs from long ball because they just kicked it over his head and Cahill McShane... I think there was a bit of confusion there because Tommy Griffin, the selector and the, the carry runner, was out to him twice or maybe three times in the first half and he was mm. talking directly to Murphy on each occasion. So there was obviously some sort of a, a yeah. breakdown in either what Murphy was trying to do and what the line wanted him to do or maybe the other way around. But... Um, he was in and out to him. So, but look, the other thing is to, to figure it out. They got mm. there eventually. I'm just looking at it there now. Like you're going to need for Kerry to win the All Ireland final, right? David Moran will have to win a battle with Brian Fenton over the course of the game. Uh, David Clifford, Paul Ganey, we're going to have to win their one-on-one matchups. Now you could see that. You definitely could see that. Um, but you're still looking at maybe. Tom O'Sullivan picking up Paul Mannion and Tyg Morley or Jason Foley picking up Conor Callan and like they're, they're, they're going to have to win a huge amount of those um, like John Small I would imagine we're going Stephen O'Brien if Stephen O'Brien gets cleared because uh, John Small tends to be a, a good old fashioned destroyer for Dublin and, and he'll match mm. up pretty well for them there so like for all the for all the talk of how they protect their defence and where they might play a sweeper, it'll come down to Kerry needing to win nine of 14 outfield battles. Well, I guess, Tomas, I remember Jack Barry picked up Brian Fenton, I think, in the 2017 league final and had probably one of the best, most successful days anyone's had over Brian Fenton. Could there be some sort of wild card like that, do you think, thrown into it to, to stop the Dublin's uh, flow? Yeah, well, well, I remember when, when those three or four matches where Jack Barry would pick up Brian Fenton and uh, he was given one job one job only and that was to mark Brian Fenton out of the game and I thought it was kind of a not a cop out but I, I'd love to see like, is it a special type of a player I suppose it is the likes of Lee Keegan and Durkin who can put the likes of the queue and uh, Jack McCaffrey in the back foot and mark them out of the game and still co- contribute in a, in a, on the scoreboard not even on the scoreboard but I always felt Barry needed to be contributing elsewhere and hurting Fenton and give him a double dose basically tire him out by actually ma- having to mark Barry as well and I don't think that. And as the years go on you can be guaranteed that like, so Fenton is such a good player he learns you know, he learns from every game he's always I'd say challenging himself I think that key battle at midfield the last two games Moran has been man of the match for Kelly and if he has I think Adrian Spillane would be looked as a, a, a weaker kind of a midfielder that Kerry have and I think that would be an area where the dubs would target and if Moran He's taken over the game, not taken over the game, but marked over the game. He doesn't have the same influence. Then Kerry could be in serious trouble. Like, and another area I think worth, I suppose, noting is, is Cluxton will be a problem for Kerry. Like he, no matter what you say, possession is key for the Dubs, and he gives them that platform every game. And it's brilliant to watch teams pressurise him because then you see the range of artillery he actually does have because he still comes out on top. But do Kerry press forward? Because I do think if you're going to beat Dublin, you have to target him in some kind of a way. And if you press forward, do you trust that defence that we have at the moment? And that is... You know, there's so many battles you can have. You can talk about two sets of forwards. You can talk about the midfields, the goalies. For me, there are so many fires to put out all over the field with the dogs. And they do have the, the back line, I think, to actually... like Kerry will be going into this final with one shining beacon, and that's their forward line. There's four forwards... Of Clifford and Ganey and O'Brien and Sonny say have been outstanding. Hmm. And I suppose the Dublin backline are capable of actually thwarting that on the day. And you've no, I've no doubt it, but that's what the challenge that will be thrown in front of them. And the likes of John Small and Cooper and all these lads will be, they'll be chomping at the bit for it. So 
look, it, it will, for the next few weeks, we'll make every sort of an argument that we can, that this could happen and that could happen. But there's a lot of ifs on the Kerry side. That, that's the one worry I'd have. And just to look at the Tyrone perspective now, I think you know, you're looking back to 2008, the last time they beat uh, you know, Dublin, Kerry or, or Mayo in a championship game. They've had a lot of kind of similar dispiriting exits in Croke Park over the last 10 years. Like, where to for... You know, for them now, Mickey Hart after the game said, "Oh, we're still a team on the rise. Like, even though we didn't get to the final this year, we're better than we were last year." Like, do you buy that? Like, and, do, and what about his future as well? Yeah, the, the conversation on his future last night and Sunday game is actually really interesting. But like, it comes down to a couple of things. One, who's lining up to replace him? Is there an obvious standout candidate? You know, I suppose Peter Canavan is the first one that. Fergal yeah, Logan as well. If won the yeah, from twenty ones, you know. Yeah, I, I, but I think in Tyrone, you don't really know because I don't think anyone's willing to put their name forward for for as long as Mickey's there. There's an awful lot of loyalty there to him beforehand, uh, uh, from from previous campaigns and that. And the other thing is, um, like, can you argue? That this Tyrone team are underachieving under this management. Like no, the one I don't think they are. Like they, 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 they look like they are either. They look like they've been stagnant, but they've been stagnant in the last four, and then last year in the last two for the last three years. So, so you change it for change sake. Like it's, it's, but when it's, you have such a good half time advantage, and you know don't get the job yeah, done. Yeah, at half time I thought now I thought if they kick the next two points, they were going to win it, and mm-hmm. I thought they might just because Kerry looks so listless and lethargic, and thought maybe the game in Nav in the week before and was going to catch up. When them. you look like they've beaten pretty much all the good teams, yet yeah, there's three teams, the three top teams of the last decade they haven't beaten in a championship match either. yeah and I think there, sort of, there was a certain amount of acknowledgement in that when they started changing the way they played and, and they kind of caught us all by surprise a little bit when they, when they beat Dublin and Crow Park in the league and it was they played with two uh, two full forwards the thing about them is like Donnelly is probably not a natural full forward or an inside forward and as good as uh, McShane was yesterday like he played midfield and was on the twenty one team, the one and all. Brilliant season, though. Jeez. Yeah, he, he had an absolutely brilliant yeah. season. Three twenty three players. You probably need, yeah. you know, they probably need to play another natural inside forward, and they have a handful of them who've never really, and they've gone in and out of the panel out of frustration, not really getting many minutes. So I, I think the next step in their evolution is to take a few more chances because they've seen how far what they're trying to do will get them. Yeah, but it's they, not getting them all the way. They, they seem to, Hart seems to have a problem just striking a balance. Like They took all the chances against Donegal and like they, they, they looked like they had no idea what they were doing. And then, sort of yesterday, there was moments in it when the plan was coming to like perfect fruition. Kerry were brainless stuff in the first half, just running narrowly down the central channels to, into five or six Tyrone tacklers. And the Tyrone tackling is brilliant, but like they have the direct option with McShane and Matty Donnelly and it worked really well in Crow Park against Dublin in the league. And when they run the ball through Peter Hart and Sludden and whoever else is out there, like, you know, they, they move at such breakneck pace they can open up most teams. But it's when they get to play these teams, Dublin, Mayo, Kerry, in the All-Ireland semi-finals and the All-Ireland finals, they don't seem to know how to mix the two into a really potent game plan because, like, they've been really... Like, I don't think the problem against Dublin the last few years has been being too defensive. It's been too predictable. Like, Jim Gavin knew exactly how they were going to set up and they picked them apart. But the same thing yesterday, when the game turned against them, they had no ability to actually adjust or adapt. And it almost looks like they're playing so rigidly to a game plan if it doesn't work, they're in trouble. Like, I remember Mickey Hart saying a couple of years ago, after Dublin beat them in the semi-final when Conor Callan got that goal at the very start he says well we were on the back foot like our game was based around constricting and uh, you know keeping the game very tight and that meant we had to chase the game and you're thinking well like conceding the goal is one of the things that can happen in a match like, like if, if that blows your home whole game plan up in the air well then you know you do have problems in how you set up and I that's think why you'd be a bit surprised yesterday that they did blow a four point lead you, yeah. you nearly thought they would have not batten down the hatches but that they would have gone 
very tight and made it very very difficult for for uh, for Kerry. Just yeah. on that as well, kicks him like, atrocious voice. Yeah, but on on Peter Hart as well. Peter Hart was taught. Peter Hart barely touched the ball mm. yesterday. Thomas Sullivan is was uh, was brilliant and looks like he's in line for an All Star now as well. In his like it's probably his first full season, full full season. Um, he's been unbelievable, and I suppose his role in the final will have a big bearing on how Kerry get on as well. Mm. Yeah, they, they they were so wedded, I think, to the plan that they were trying to do in seventeen. The game you, you mentioned, the seventeen semi final, they were really wedded to it, and it was sort of the irresistible force, the immovable object that game was built at, and they've had to come a long way back from that. You know, they were they were. Even Sean Cavanagh talking after that game was sort of like they couldn't believe they thought they were ready for it, like they thought they could match anything Dublin threw at them, and it just it blew up on their face. So they've evolved a bit from that, but probably not enough. And even looking at that team, if you remember, Mark Bradley was the outlet ball that time. You know, that's that's a big change to Cahill McShane and the types of like Bradley's a lovely footballer and all that, but the sort of physical physicality that McShane gives them is, is much different but I think they just have to take more chances because the stuff they're trying to do at the minute just isn't working Yeah Tomás where do you stand on, on Tyrone at the moment I guess after another disappointing championship exit is is this still a team on the rise Did you, do you agree with Mickey Hart? Oh well I, I think the point Michael made there was was relevant like in that there were four points up at half time and normally a Tyrone team they normally kick on after that and uh, they don't retreat fully, but they do have a defensive solid base that they will defend it all, and they'll try to catch you on the counter then and pick you off one by one, and then you're five, six, seven points, and the game's over. Very like what they did to, to Ross Common. But, yeah, look, I think it's a strange one. I think it's very... Like, Mickey Hacker, the greatest manager Tyrone have ever had, and he's done everything from underage all the way up. And, like, players... And managers, their time will come. Can I do anything else here? Can I control? Can I change things around? And I don't think this Tyrone team have come on tactically in the last three or four years in a way where they can afford to win an All Ireland. And you know, it's not for me to say that that Mickey Hart should walk away. And you know, maybe it is the right thing for him to stay. I'm not sure. You know, but I do know that amongst his own county, they don't tend. To, like Sean Kavanagh I suppose will be the one outspoken man that has said in the past that he thinks this is wrong and that's wrong and possibly that's nice pointed towards the fact that, that Mickey Hart should resign but a lot of the other fellas have so, so much respect for him that they might think one certain way but they won't say it mm. I, I don't think, think that's any, the good I, of Tyrone football Sorry, I don't think there's any there's any chance of Hart walking away. I think I think he's a man who sort of believes very yeah, much much in destiny and everything else. And I think he mm. he he sees Tyrone winning another All Ireland, his fourth All Ireland, as being that moment. And everything and every setback is but just is it another the right step. Thing that he stays on for Tyrone football. That's the question that has to be asked. Yeah, I don't. I, I, that that that's a fair question to ask. But but all accounts, I he I think it's the case that he would leave on his own time whether that's the right or the wrong yeah. time or whatever I don't know There was I asked him after does he still have the same energy and enthusiasm for it and he just looked at me and he just said I sure do and that, that was it and that was the end of that conversation so like further to change he has to be open to the change and it mm. doesn't look like I think we're always inclined we're always inclined to kind of want change do you know what I mean especially when somebody's been there that often like we had this conversation with Brian Cody like there was people <laughs> not too long ago saying Brian Cody should go because he was there so long and they're back in an All-Ireland final so like I think we just like to see different things happening and Tyrone obviously have seemed like the same team for the best part of 20 years now at this mm. stage because of Hart and the way he has managed them um, but is it the right thing for him to go Goes back to the thing I said at the start. They're not. They're not. They're not underachieving. You cannot yeah. say that they're underachieving. Like they're, you're not. You're not looking at that team and saying, "Jesus, they should be beating Kerry." 
much. Are you? Like, I've, yeah. I would I say, I would, would you? I, I would fold yesterday. Like, I, I would say they should have won that game on the balance. Uh, you know, given as it as it happened, but like they're not, like there's they're, they're not going out. Like they lost to Donegal this year. They sort of got back to the level that they can play to where they beat, you know, ninety five percent of the teams mm. out there. They've won also titles. They've been in an Ireland final. They lost that final to the one of the greatest team of all time, wherever you want to put Dublin. And uh, then the loss to a Kerry team who were on the rise. So, mm. you know, is there that any... argument has to be there, yeah. yeah. That, that possibly, and it would be the same as as fellas, the way they look at the county defence at the moment, as Tommy Griffin and Tony Buckley are there. But if you don't have the players, if you don't actually have the players, what can you actually do? And, you know, maybe Tyrone are at a level where they can get so far, but they don't have the, 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 the players to actually get to the final step. And when it comes to Dublin, it's it's an awful huge step to actually take to to, to get to the top of that track. And just with regards to change as well, if you don't know that the change is definitely going to be positive and they're definitely going to be better as a result of the change, I well, you can never know that. Yeah. Time. Well, well, like if if you know you're in a position where okay, we have to change. But I don't. If your team I, was obviously yeah, underachieving. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they're thinking that, so I I can't see it. Uh, uh, to to just one last question before I let one you go. One thing that oh. annoys me before before the one thing that annoys me like is. It seems like, and it's nothing against Mickey Hartley, but it seems like that that say the former players and then the the county board and all that they won't they don't seem to question it. Like it, it's like I don't know from the outside, and it's not coming down on Mickey Hart. You know, I, I've been a, a fan of his for years, but it seems like he runs the play. Like it, he'll go on his terms and whatever it is. And the question I'd have is, and it'd be a hard question, and maybe the answer is Mickey Hart is the right man, but is is Mickey Hart the right man for Tyrone right now? And if he is, grand. Everybody rowing behind him. But there, there seems to be a silence amongst England. There isn't a silence amongst our fans. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I, t- I think he has another year left in his uh, term at the moment, so I, he'll probably be around next year anyway. And just before I let you go, Tomas, the, the weekend in general, obviously, we had a full house on Saturday night, but a very, very poor crowd yesterday. There's 33,000 down, 20,000 from the corresponding fixture, I think, in 2015. Uh, so, like, does that say something about the overall health of, of the football championship with Dublin being so dominant, or or what do you think it was down to? Yeah, look, I think it's a combination of a pile of things. Like, there is a kind of a, a feeling amongst everybody that that there's an inevitability about about the championship, and that, that Dublin are at the top. And you know, I think you can say that the Super Eights and the travelling involved and the amount of games. Uh, but I thought thirty six thousand, like. From a personal point of view, and Kerry, you'd be disappointed what turned up there because you have a team, a young team, who are, who are hopefully on the beginning of a good uh, journey, you know, and that they will be around for a while. And I thought yesterday, I was worried for them going in against Tyrone. It was a big game, and yet the the, the support wasn't great. So it was roughly 50-50, but I don't know what it was, over 30,000 people there for an Ireland semi-final, and people would point to uh, the, the Armagh semi-final in 82 when there was only 17,000 and there's all these numbers where the, num- the semi-finals were low but I'd look at the hurling like to me the Ireland semi-finals should be full houses for the hurling and they're not you know I, I I thought yesterday was a very very poor attendance but had Mayo not been involved with Dublin it wouldn't have been full house as well Mayo have full houses the last four games they've played no matter where they go they, they have a fan base that are just different to every team outside of the Dubs and everybody will say that it's handy for the Dubs to get in there Disappointing, yes, but not the end of the world is the way I, I, I describe it. Okay, Tomas, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, lads. Thanks. And Donegal, just before we wrap up, you wanted to mention Kerry manager Peter Keane and his post-match press conference, which he is. Yeah, kind of, I was just reading the quotes this morning, and I've interviewed him a couple of times this year, and I think the one we might have talked about it in here before when he's got into the story about his father learning 
teaching him how to drive and it was the next crossroads he worried about it then this he was at it again yesterday with Shane Ryan was on to Jared Murphy of Vincent Murphy Sports in Castle Island and he said his biggest problem would be getting pair, two pairs of boots instead of three because he'd have the boots worn out from kicking them out so much to Dublin like he has a lovely way of telling you absolutely nothing he does it with a certain amount of charm like, you know, <laughs> he actually <laughs> told that driving test story again yesterday he did he told yeah, it again, he told did he? again. Right, no, right, when right. he broke away from the press pack and was telling Jerry Grogan the yeah, Jerry was the only one in the press room that hadn't heard the it. Stadium announcement. So he so just addressed he Jerry. He yeah. turned away from the press conference and just so told the start. Maybe, story. maybe he just has a set amount of stories and he rolls them out to every time. <laughs> by this time next year, we'll be fed up with him. But I just like you know, as I say, it's a very polite way of telling you to stop asking questions. I'm not going to tell you. Well, anything. And just from reading the quotes, it's like, oh, did you did you think Tommy Walsh had a good game? He's like, do you think he had a good game? Yeah, he seems yeah, to yeah. Turn Answer it a question back. With a question. Turn it back on the journalists. Yeah, yeah, and even the Stephen O'Brien stuff, like he almost. He, he was almost surprised that Stephen O'Brien got a black card. You know, he yeah. nearly, didn't even acknowledge that it was that was a thing. So, like, look, it's it's uh, it's something to go on for the next three weeks, and I'm sure their press night will be similarly uh, uninformed. It won't be any more informed than we were, and it'll be uh, yeah. We'll get a laugh out of it. As yeah, well. him and Gavin, different styles, but it'll get to the same. Uh, you know, kind of. Oh end yeah, point. very much so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think one of the journalists, uh, local journalists, um, referred to Peter Keane as tedious in a piece. <laughs> And uh, oh, really? he, he took umbrage. Jesus. He took umbrage with him before the interview started, and uh, his <laughs> an- answers to said journalists were quite uh, quite short. Certainly short. <laughs> can I just uh, quote Jim Gavin on a similar team the day before when he was asked, "Will you come to Crow Park tomorrow for the other semi final?" He said, "I'll maybe watch a tape. I have a couple of things arranged for tomorrow. Just family arrangements. So I'll see if we can rearrange them. At the moment, of no plans other than those commitments I've penciled into my diary for tomorrow. <laughs> so Jim didn't even seem to know that the other semi final was on. Peter Keane was the same. Did you watch the Dublin match? He's like, no. Why not? Well, why would I? He never even heard of Dublin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who? Yeah. So it was, but they're trying to outdo each other. And uh, you know, Stephen O'Brien, as it stands, is down to miss the final. But I guess. There seems to be a high degree of confidence that, that that second black card he picked up against Mead will be rescinded. Yeah, it looked a bit mad. Uh, it, did, it did, wasn't there like a shoulder ch- a charge or anything like that, and the the Mead player kind of actually did lean Dark in his shoulder as well. Yeah, and it'd be, uh, yeah, it'd be very very surprising. Well, I actually thought it, it was looking at it, if you if you looked in a certain way, you could make the case that Campion was yeah, yeah, yeah. because he was O'Brien was on the on the attack, so you could make the case that Campion was trying to block his own. I don't think it's a black card for either man or even a cousin of one, but mm. the history know. of appealing. Uh, like in the past, obviously, it wasn't black card sanctions, but if it, the history of appealing red card sanctions, semi finals, the finals is actually a very successful one. And maybe it's a subconscious thing, but the CCC tend to err on the side of letting the player off. And I, I don't think there's any chance whatsoever. Well, I think the way, like, even the foul, there's no need for Stephen O'Brien to commit that foul. Oh, there were four yesterday. points so up with two I'd seconds to go. I would imagine. If, yeah, he probably could have, he just wasn't taking any chances. But yeah. I'd say he probably knew, look, if it comes to it, we'll get that one off, you know, yeah. because it was. Uh, <laughs> The big risk to take. <laughs> it was blatant and it was yeah. pointless too. Like yeah. there, there was a cover man there. There were four points ahead. It wasn't as if he was through on goal. It was down the right wing, mm. down by the Hogan uh, stand. So it's unnecessary hardship to weaken a match for them now. But I would imagine. I'd imagine they'll, they'll, they'll imagine get the squeeze get on to get that yeah. done this week. Uh, and well, the, like you know, it's, it's guessing what way the GA disciplinary system works and when they'll meet and all that is hazardous. But well, the CHC have been meeting on Thursdays. Yeah, yeah. So, players like, so maybe they get it done this Thursday. They might get it done. This and just before we wrap up, you know, on that small attendance over the weekend on the Sunday match, like what, what do you put that down to? A uh, couple of things: hiking ticket prices, extra matches in a shorter period of time, so people are paying for the same thing out of the same paycheck. So, like, I think if you were following Mayo or not Mayo for a bad example, but if you're following Kerry this year. You might have went, well, do you know what? 
you know, if we get to a final, I'll definitely go to it. Mm. You know, so look, I kind of agree with Tomas. Not the end of the world. There was going to be when you put on more matches in a shorter pace, space of time, you couldn't take for granted anymore that people were going to go. And just before we go, we'll finish off with our board gosh energy rising star of the week. Only four teams to choose from, so we're going to have to get even more creative with our rising stars now. Don't get anyone jump out for you. The, the rules about the rising star have been very, very. Uh, We've yeah. taken liberties, and I'm going yeah. to take more liberties than ever, and go for Tommy Walsh. Yeah. Um, like, you know, is it, is it, <laughs> it's ten, it's ten, ten years since the was he even he played in the O nine final, didn't he? And then he yeah. then he went to Australia, and when he came back to a little bit of fanfare that time, we sort of expected him to take the thing by storm again. And he just it didn't work out for him for whatever reason. But he came on against uh, Mead and Navin, and he was he like he won a couple of balls and he was okay but yesterday he actually had a real impact on the game and yeah, for a fellow who's been through what role do you expect him to play in the final I think he's he's very much I think he, he was what they needed yesterday a little bit of physicality and when he went in there Tyrone had to change things around so I think I think maybe Ronan McNamee picked him up and then that freed up the rest of them because they weren't dealing with someone who was so physically superior to them and uh, and that sort of opened opened the thing up for them I think he, I, I'd say we'll see him in the final only if we need him if it's a late only if they need him it's a late you know four or five six point game and they're looking for a goal or something a little bit different um, but uh, just for him I would say a great moment great personal satisfaction because when he came back as I say it didn't work out for him at all Connor. Uh Well my again I'm being quite liberal here but um, um, I'll tell a story against myself about um, Conor Callum Peter Keane I had a driving test and, no, <laughs> uh, in the winter of 2016 at the Blue Star Awards or the Dove Star Awards I was sitting beside Morris O'Callaghan who's Con's father and Con had just exploded onto the scene as a hurler Kakula had won their first Leinster Championship and he'd scored whatever it was a goal in every game and a bit more besides and uh, he'd made his debut for the Dublin Senior Footballers a very brief cameo appearance against Leash in the Senior Football in the Leinster Championship earlier that year but uh, I remember saying to Morris like you know he's not going to be able to play in the league next year because uh, Cooler are going all the way to St. Patrick's Day and by the time he comes back there's absolutely no chance whatsoever he'll be able to crack his way into that Dublin attack uh, why doesn't he just throw his lot in with the hurlers he's a much better <laughs> chance of getting a game so six months later and Con had scored goals against uh, Mayo and Tyrone in the All-Ireland semi-final and the All-Ireland final and the uh, uh, what that prediction was proved dramatically wrong so I, I hereby anoint Conor Callan our rising star of the week <laughs> Uh, mine is just uh, from the minor match actually Saturday evening. Uh, Daniel Linehan, Cork fullback, yeah, yeah, an actual rising star. Yeah, he flew up the field and scored one of the best goals I've seen in Crop Park in a long, long time. Absolute, from fullback as yeah, well. From yeah, from fullback, an absolute bullet top to the top corner. Top left, yeah. yeah, top left. And Cork were actually beaten twice by Kerry, once in the kind of Munster round robin and once and again in the Munster final. And now we're in the final and Kerry were beaten yesterday. Um, going for six in a row so it's a kind of a novel kind of pairing with uh, Cork and Galway yeah but Daniel Lennon unbelievable uh, display and we'll crown him our official rising star of the week <laughs> when he actually hits the original criteria on that note plenty covered and uh, a lot to look forward to over the next few weeks Michael, Connor, Tony thanks so much cheers bro. thanks bro. that's all we have time for in the throwing in association with Board Gosh Energy thank you so much for listening we will be back later in the week with our hurling final preview as well as our live show at Croke Park so until next time thank you so much for listening and goodbye Board Gosh Energy, putting customers at the core of under-20 and senior hurling championship action. Hashtag hurling to the core.